Right, so we are starting a brand new series today as we kick off with Legacy Church, and it is all about wisdom because we do believe that the choices we make actually determine the lives that we experience. Thanks so much, Tony. Um, So possibly you are mindful and aware of the fact that right now you are experiencing in pretty much every area of your life to some extent or another the results of the choices we've made in the past, right? So even, even when you've had to face circumstances that are out of your control, that are out of my control, how, how we respond to those things that are out of our control are largely influencing the, the kind of life that we are experiencing at the moment. There is so much to be said for wisdom, uh, and I believe it's one of the great things that God wants to actually offer to us, to those that look to Him, to those that are humble. I love how Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 says that the Lord grants wisdom. He is the source of wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. How many of you know common sense isn't so common? Right? Like there's common sense and then there's common sense. So he, he grants common sense to the honest. We'll talk about that in a moment. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. Think about that for a moment. Think about Think about when you are tempted to compromise your integrity, to compromise your honesty, your morality, your responsibility, and and everything in the natural looks like you're going to suffer because of it. And and in some cases, you will, right? There are choices that you'll make in this world that that will actually cause you in the natural to suffer. But I love how it says that he's shilled. He he is a shield to those who walk with integrity. And it's amazing how God can actually protect and lead us as we walk in integrity. Verse 11 says, wise choices will watch over you. Almost like it's a shield of protection. Almost like it's this mother, this mother hen that's kind of helping guide and direct you as we submit to or surrender to wise choices. The choices I make determine the person I become and so I'm pretty sure you want to make wise choices. And today, I want to take a look at the first choice, which is what we're simply calling the integrity choice. But, but we're not so much focusing on the word integrity as much as the word honesty. And the question, the choice that I'm wanting to leave with you today, that I'm hoping is going to haunt you in a good way, in the best possible way. And I have a strong sense that you're going to experience this. And you may not like it. Is, is as you face choices in the week ahead, in the month ahead, in the season ahead, that, that in a healthy way you're haunted by this question of, am I being honest with myself? Before anyone else, before anything, just am I actually being honest with myself? And then, just to help really drive the point home, I want you to add the word really. Am I being honest with myself? Really. I don't know about you, but I'm able to be honest without being honest really. Like, like I'm able to give a version of the truth that's not quite the whole truth. Like I, I, can, give, I can give myself a, a certain packaged version of, and it's not, it's not incorrect, but it's incomplete. And so the question for us is, are we actually being honest with ourselves really? Yeah. So every now and then I might just ask you to help me out so that this this isn't to patronize you. This is to get this to sink in. This is part of neuroplasticity. We actually want this stuff to sink into our minds and to actually even be rewired. So here's the question. Am I being honest with myself? Really? Wow, that's flat. 
I mean, you guys, this is the second service. You've had coffee, probably. Anyone not had their coffee that needs coffee? I feel nothing for you. You've had lots of time to have coffee. Come on. Am I being honest with myself? Really? Really? Guys, this is... I cannot overemphasize how important this question is for us. We meet God in honesty. We can only experience real, meaningful relationships, intimacy with honesty. Otherwise, and this is a, a danger and a challenge for all of us, we, we experience relationships with others where they're not experiencing the real us. They're experiencing a version of us, a facade of us. And in some cases, I, mean, I don't want to get overly, overly pedantic and philosophical, but because obviously there are environments where you're not meant to go all in and share everything with everyone. That would be really unwise, in my opinion. But for those that are closest to you and, and to keep growing in trust and intimacy, so with your spouse, with, with that person that you're courting for marriage or with your kids or your best friends, etc. Guys, we want people to experience the real us. But what's more dangerous than that is where we try and perhaps pursue a relationship with God, but where we're not turning up. We're not rocking up as our real selves. We don't actually come to God as the real me, as though God can be deceived. Right? Think about it. I, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of hope that I get to heaven before it all ends, like be, before the second coming and all this, because I'd, I'd love to actually know what the angels do and think sometimes when they look at us. Like if I was the angels, I'd, there'd be so many times I'm like, really? Like how are they this dwarf? Like how do they think they're gonna surprise God when they get brutally honest? As though God's gonna be like, <gasps> like I didn't know that. I don't know about you, I kind of hope that the people that we knew that have passed away, that they don't get to see some of the dumb things we do, but, but, but maybe they do, I, I, I honestly don't know. But, but I do imagine that you have this, 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 this crowd of angels that are like, yo, wow, our Heavenly Father is outrageously patient and gracious with these people, because they're, they're just so doff sometimes. He invites us, by the way, by the way, morality is commanded, maturity is invited. He invites us to be fully honest with him. And how can we be honest with God if we're not able to be honest with ourselves? And, and for those of us that are somewhat self-aware, we would acknowledge that it's quite an intimidating prospect, being really honest with myself. Like, like why, why do I get so angry, really? Why do I keep going from dysfunctional relationship to dysfunctional relationship, really? Why do, why do, why do I, I find myself being drawn to, to that type of person for friends? Or why do I keep landing up in that situation, you know, over the weekend or most Saturday nights that I feel the way I do most Sunday mornings and like, really, like why? Why do I, why do I allow what, what has occasionally become an escape to actually become, if I'm honest with myself, an addiction, really? Why am I spending money I don't have, really? Now, this might sound like a scary question and some of you are looking like, like your truth is gonna be revealed. It's not, okay, I don't know. God isn't speaking to me. No, 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 I'm not suggesting that anybody here knows anything that's going on in your mind. I'm just for a moment wanting you to reflect on some of the challenges, some of the feelings, some of the temptations, some of the choices, some of the patterns that we commit to, and just, and just to dare to be honest 
with yourself and with God, because I am convinced to my bones that you will find mercy. You'll find grace. You'll find a God who cannot love you more and who cannot love you less. And I think that one of the greatest damages that we do to our relationship with God is is subconsciously thinking that we can present a version of ourselves to God. And he's like, I'm just, I'm waiting for the real you to turn up. Those of you that are old will remember the real Slim Shady. Hey? Well, the real Slim Shady, please turn up. Please turn up. Hey? I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm not a teenager anymore. Um, I don't, for those of you that are kind of in your 30s, 40s, 50s, have you noticed how you still feel the same age as those in their late teens and 20s? And then every now and then you realize, wow, they really don't see me the way I see them. Like, 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 like you don't feel like there's this big gap. They see this chasm between, between where you are. Anyway, that's a whole nother. Okay, so guys, honesty. Am I being honest with myself really? We have, I believe that many of us, definitely I'm speaking for myself, I have the ability to convince myself with, with great subtlety. I can justify stuff. I'm a great salesperson to myself. I can, I can justify things that I want because of my emotions and, and my desires and my appetites and all kinds of stuff. I love how, how Andy said it. Well, I don't like it, but, but it kind of gives me perspective where he said that, that the word justifying, we should think of it sometimes as just a lying. I'm, I'm not just justifying to myself. I'm actually just a lying to myself. When I tell myself I need the, the newest of that, but actually the old one of that is still exactly the same pretty much. They stick an apple on and make it look different, but really it's like the same, you know? <laughs> or does anyone else get these text messages and weird things where it's like, like come into the shop, up to 50%, well actually the 50% off is like massive, the up to is tiny, and you walk in and it's like one tiny little, I don't know, it's like three items that no one would ever want to wear, but then you've got to pay full price. But now you're there, and you've already kind of like, you know, gotten warmed up. There are so many ways for us to convince ourselves, to, to move, to, to take a transfer, to, to immigrate, to, to move to another community because we're convinced that that's where our kids are going to have the best opportunity for schools. And, and a lot of the time these things are true, but I'm saying, are we actually being honest with ourselves really in terms of what we're putting our faith into, who we're putting our faith into, Am I being honest with myself, really? I know you're all getting this by now. So, a couple of causes, just very quickly. Some of the things that actually cause us to deceive ourselves, the first is obvious and probably the most prominent, which is simply emotions. Our emotions and our appetites can override our intelligence. Have you ever been surprised at really successful business people, leaders, global leaders, who clearly, they are obviously very, very bright, they're very accomplished at their field, but then they do some of the dumbest things in their personal capacity, and you think, that's, like, that's not an IQ issue. That's a stress issue, burnout issue, emotional issue, a, a, a human appetite issue, which, which we all have, but it's got nothing to do with their intelligence, right? We all know intelligent people that can do some really dumb things because of our emotions and our appetites, and if we look in the mirror, we definitely know someone that can do something stupid, in spite of our intelligence, in spite of what we know to be true. And if you don't believe me, just look in the mirror and ask the people around you, to be honest with you. Anyone, anyone ever thought about, for those of you that, that have pets, um, 
how you will be far more intentional about getting a really good diet going for your dog or your cat, but you'll eat junk. Right? Because we can be objective when it comes to a pet. It's also easier for those of us that are parents to be objective when it comes to our kids or our spouses than it is ourselves, especially when there's no one else around. And when Woolies comes out with a chuckle slab of chocolate <laughs> and there's no one else around and you get to be in the car for a little bit between the shop and home. Of course, I've never experienced that. But for those of you that have, I want to just tell you that I empathize and, and I feel compassion. Really. <laughs> Jeremiah 17 verse 9. This is one of the prophets in the Old Testament. says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Now that might sound like a very melancholy statement, but I think that, there is, I think that there's a real alarm bell being communicated there where he's saying, guys, guys, our emotions. That's why, that's why Jesus summed everything up, all the laws saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength because man there's the emotions then there's the stuff we tell ourselves then there's just my my, my fleshly appetites my strength and guys I'm saying you're normal you're normal but I think to be forewarned is to be is to be forearmed where we where we can recognize whoa, 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 whoa. just because I'm feeling that or wanting that or justifying that doesn't mean that it is good or that it is okay so we want to be mindful I find it sobering how Andy Stanley says that there are no, he's a pastor and an author, how there are no emo emotionally neutral decision-making environments. Because of that, we will be prone to opt for happy now over healthy later. That's why those of you that have ever tried to get fit or healthy and you've had a personal trainer or someone work, walk with you and work with you and you're paying and, you, and, you, and you're committed, like all of a sudden, there's this objective oversight. There's this objective coaching. And, and they're actually a friend to your future, not to your feelings. They're like, suck it up, princess. Pull your finger out. Work harder. No, don't give in to that. But don't, don't pick out on pizza. You know, because they don't care about your feelings. They care about your health, your future. So emotions are one of the causes. Another one is that of confirmation bias. You might have heard of this term, but basically it is the tendency that we all have to look for information or arguments that support what we already believe and reasons that support what we already are inclined to do. That's why we will click on and forward the links of things that, that we already agree with, and it's just another way of emphasizing it, and we just dismiss and ignore you know, articles or links that are sent that they were pretty sure already we're going to disagree with. Because by nature, we are drawn towards wanting to confirm what we already believe. There's far less energy involved. It's, it takes energy to think critically. It takes energy to actually have to review and process and, and reflect objectively. Like, genuinely, it takes energy. On the healthy side, it burns calories to, have to, to actually have to, you know, think like that. And the danger for us with confirmation bias is that we just keep looking for, for people and things that just confirm what I'm feeling anyway. Social media, we now have algorithms that quite literally are designed to help us live in an echo chamber where it just keeps reinforcing our, our prejudice 
And we think, hell, the whole world thinks like this. And they really don't. Again, Andy Stanley puts it this way. Most of us want to be proven right more than we want to know what's true. That is a sobering thought. We want to be proven right more than we want to know what's true. So confirmation biases can, can, can lead us towards just being, you know, having a decision, a, a leaning, an appetite, a, a, a level of faith and hope in the future, in this endeavor or moving there, or if I can just get this promotion, or if I can just get that education. And, and again, in and of itself, those things are not bad things, but when our hope and our faith gets put into those things, that's where it becomes a problem, and so confirmation bias can lead us down the wrong road. Of course, another factor is other people's agenda. There are so many people that have an agenda for your life. Not just your boss, not just your family. Marketers, companies have an agenda for your life. Guys, social media, hey, it may be free, but they're making money. There's an agenda. You are the product. Your device isn't the product. You're the product. There, there are other agendas that we need to be sensitive to and push back against. Like, like you want to notice and, and reject a mob mentality. Just because lots of people are thinking something doesn't mean that that's right for us. And so we need to be very careful that we're being honest with ourselves, really. And then, and then, I know that this might sound very eerie or hectic, but I do believe we have a spiritual enemy. And he doesn't have a moment of mercy he doesn't care about you. He doesn't feel like, oh, shame. They've had a tough time. They've been deceived so much lately. We'll, we're going to give them a break. Like, like, just let them come up for air. No, there's no mercy. And he is the father of lies. Jesus put it this way when describing him. In John chapter 8, verse 44, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so... I'm not saying it's all him, it's not. I'm saying that there's our own human nature, there's other people, there's the world we live in, there's an enemy, there's our emotions, there, there are our, our human appetites, and so that's what makes it hard. The, the hardest person to lead is me. The easiest, person to the easiest person for me to deceive is me. And so it is a wise choice for me to pause fairly regularly, especially when I notice a trend and I notice a pattern, and to ask myself, am I being honest? Can I be honest, really? You guys are discouraging me, okay? Okay, let's try that one more time. Am I being honest? Really? really? So, the solution, I believe, is brutal honesty. And I put that word in there deliberately. It's not just honesty, it's brutal honesty. Because again, we are tempted to be honest. You know, where there's a version of the truth, and it's not, it's not incorrect, but it's not complete. And there, I believe that life, growth, health, maturity, flourishing, is only found to the extent that we're willing to turn up with brutal honesty as we look at ourselves and others. Being honest with ourselves, being honest with others, being honest with God. As far as being honest with ourselves go, there's this very uh, interesting concept that is described by Erin Brown, who's an author and, and professor, where she says that what we've said so many times in our heads, in, in other words, when we make up stories, when we try and compensate and make ourselves feel, feel better about something, and we deceive ourselves a little bit, it becomes our plastic truth. Over time, these fake parts of the story, the pieces we've made up, 
actually cement into the gaps between truth. So that's why it becomes so compelling and convincing because, because these plastic truths almost become cemented because we've bought into, we, we so sufficiently believe these half-truths. False narratives become a crutch. We tell ourselves internal stories to avoid facing mistakes because something has to help us cope emotionally, psychologically, right? Because it's distressing when we feel like, ugh, I've done it again. It's easier to create a story where someone else is to blame than to confront tough things of life. Guys, we need to quit lying to ourselves. We need to quit excusing. I think it is healthy to explain. That's very different. For me, I want to understand if there's a pattern, what are the triggers? Because I don't wanna just try and be really, really strong at the end. I wanna understand early on, what is it that actually keeps leading to things that I actually don't, like decisions that I wanna make, or, or even, um, like, like this might sound like a really simple example, but even irritability, if you notice a trend of irritability, well, look at, your, at things like your sleep patterns, your, your stimulants, um, whether or not you're actually honoring God's limits on our bodies where we do need a minimum amount of sleep and where we don't just need bedtime but like, but like deep sleep and, and where we're not, we, we were never created to be machines and working 365 days a year. So, so what I'm saying is as we think of the explanation we might be able to pick up on, if we're being honest with ourselves, what, what is leading me to this place? But that's different to an excuse. An excuse is justifying. An excuse is saying, ah, you know, that's why, and, it's, and basically I'm blaming something else and I'm not taking responsibility for it. Being honest with others. If you've been around for a while, you may have picked up that I have a slightly strong feeling about our need for people and our need for there being at least someone, if not more than one person, that we can be brutally honest with. You might have heard statements like, you're only as sick as your secrets. That's not, that might sound like a dramatic statement. I, I believe that so much of the trauma, so much of the, the grief that people experience on different levels is because we're not living in the freedom of at least being honest, transparent with at least one other person. Even if it's a professional that's paid to be objective and to just not judge you because it's a safe place. You might have also heard the statement that we confess our sins to God to find forgiveness but we confess our sins to man to find healing. And again, I am convinced that there is something that is hard to fully explain that is so true in the in the life that is found, the healing that is found in having at least one other person that you can just be honest with. The, I feel like it sucks the oxygen out of the enemy's ability to keep using it against you because now it's in the light. It's like, yeah, you're right. When, he, when he's trying to discourage you, hey, yeah, it's true. And I'm working on it. I'm, I'm trying, I'm dealing with it. But when, when you're hiding it, when you're the only person that knows, even though you have confessed to God, has God forgiven you? We can argue over this, but I would, I would say, suggest that God forgave you before you even apologize, if we really wanna get technical. 
So this isn't a God forgiving you issue. This is a you finding healing and walking in victory issue. And the, there is nothing that'll cause us to keep going back to the same destructive patterns than shame. And shame is fed in darkness. Shame is fed in me dealing with it all by myself as opposed to daring to share with someone that you've been building trust with. John Ortberg, who's a, an author and a pastor that I, I certainly have a tremendous amount of respect for for different reasons, and, and someone that has been a consistent voice for decades um, in the Christian world around what we call spiritual formation, discipleship, helping people grow, mature, walk with God, etc. Um, was he's I've heard him talk about this before, and again just recently we, we spoke about how over the last few years he's been positioning himself a great deal in the 12 steps program, so where he would actually sit in on AA meetings and, and, and has tried to become friends with and understand the process um, because of all the incredible benefits that are actually available to any human being because of the wisdom and the principles that are actually involved, which by the way was originally created by Bill Wilson, um, I think it was about 100 years ago, and it was a Christian program, and if you look at the 12 steps, there is so much to it that it's just, it's just life-giving, where you realize the humility needed. I've got to be open. I've got to be honest. I can't do this by myself. I need God. I need others. I need to, I need to um, do everything I can to reconcile, to ask for forgiveness. Anyway, and he was making the point that over the years, he's heard countless Christian authors and speakers ask the question, why can't the church be more like AA? Why can't the church be more like, like, like this kind of safe environment where people can be vulnerable and where people can, can share their, their stuff their, and, and still be loved and, and all the rest? And in short, he feels that the church can be more like AA, but only if Christians are willing to be more like alcoholics. And I think he is spot on. Someone that is an alcoholic that is engaged in the AA program, someone that's, that, that has battled drug addiction that's involved in, in NA or, or Gamblers Anonymous or whatever the case is, once you're in this circle, you are acknowledging that this is part of your reality. This is my struggle. This is, you, you, are, you are committed to a brutal honesty. And it's scary. But what it also means is that, is that you're not judging someone else because you're saying, I've got my own stuff. I've, and, and, and we've all got our own stuff. If you don't think you have your own stuff, I would argue that you are lying to yourself. And I am convinced that God's plan for the world is actually for followers of Jesus to be the safest people on the planet, to share your most painful, most shameful, most discouraging, most frustrating, most disappointing truths with. And where not only will they still love and value you, they actually love you more. Because, and what I mean by that, again, I'm choosing my words carefully, they love you more because they know more of you. He tells a story, John Ortberg, of a friend that he sat down with years ago. I don't know how many, but I'm guessing it's a long long time ago. Where Where he personally felt challenged towards practicing because it's actually a practice. Confession is a practice. Don't wait. Don't wait to feel something. We're having an epiphany or the clouds still align saying, confess. No, no, it's, it's, it's actually a practice 
one of the most life-giving practices in my opinion. It, it, keeps, it keeps stirring up humility, vulnerability, depending on other people. Anyway, so he was, being, he was challenged on this. He asked a friend that he had known for many years before if he could meet up with him at some stage, which he agreed to. And then over the next few weeks before he met up with him, he just journaled everything that he could think of, every, everything that he felt still kind of had his tentacles in him, every piece of shame from the past, just everything. He said the day finally came where he met with his friend, and, and so it took him about an hour to read through everything. Like he was just brutally honest and transparent with this guy. And he said that at the end of this, he couldn't even look up to look at his friend. Like he was too scared to actually look at his friend's face and, and response to him. And he said the first words out of his friend's mouth were, I've never loved you more than I love you right now. And... There are many things that I, I would love to see happen in and through our church, in and through Christians, in and through, and when I say Christians, sometimes I hate that term and please don't be offended, but just because I think it means so many different things to different people and a lot of the time it's a really disgusting thing that it actually means to people, but, but followers of Jesus, not just people that tick a box, I mean followers of Jesus. One of my, amongst a few things, one of my biggest burdens is that we would become the kind of people that someone could share their deepest pain, their deepest shame, and, and have you look at them sincerely. And the only way to do that sincerely and not fake it is if, you, is if you remain humble with God and you are constantly reminded of what God is forgiving you of all the time. And where you can look at them and say, I love you. I'm with you. You don't have to have answers. You don't have to have next steps. In fact, in fact, I would argue that the deeper the pain, the fewer the words. So much pain has been caused over the years by Christians, both real Christians and not so real Christians, by the church, because we haven't been able to manage the tension between, between someone struggling with something and trying to follow God. And I've seen people that have landed up trying to kill themselves, in some cases throwing themselves in front of trains. Just, just, like, like just in so much pain. And the church of Jesus Christ should be a place where people that are in pain can come and find hope and healing. And and not an ounce of self-righteousness, but a grace and a compassion that even though you may not be able to relate to that particular application, that particular iteration of that battle, of that addiction, of that whatever, that, that you can value the human being who is made in the image of God. And so I'm just begging you, if you're a parent, an uncle, aunt, grandparent, you're a leader, you're a teacher, you're someone that people may confide stuff in, please, for the love of everything holy, can your first response be one of compassion and value and grace? There are just way too many stories of people that have felt correctly or incorrectly judged, rejected, and the irony is that that stuff just causes the person to struggle more because it was an escape to begin with. Maybe not for you, my, any pattern in my life, it's often an escape. 
It's a way to medicate something. That, so, so let's deal with it instead of having more pain to have to escape from and medicate. The church can be more like AA if Christians are willing to be more like alcoholics. Erwin and I had, actually a few of us had a situation earlier this week where we found a, Sue and Taylor were arriving back to the church and found a guy bleeding in the park across the road and and called us urgently. Long story short, he, well, actually we don't even know exactly what happened, but I mean he was bleeding all down his face and and all the rest and and he seemed like he was in shock. We we, we weren't sure. Long story short, we, we were with him for a long time and then it seemed like there was probably some mental illness challenges and all the rest. Took him to the ER, they fixed him up and got him committed to to Somerset Hospital. But this guy was in so much pain. Not physical pain. He was was bleeding on the outside, but he was aching on the inside. Nobody will come. Nobody cares. Like the last thing he, he said to us was, why do you guys care? Because we still, we still said to him, hey, because he, he lives across the road from the church. <sighs> Did this bother me in Irwin? Yes, it bothered me in Irwin. We were like, hey, man, come, come visit. Like, Why do you guys care? And we, and we said, just, hey, we're there like every day. Just come whenever, whenever, you, whenever you're done, whenever you're ready. Just come and, come and check us out. How much do I have to pay to belong to the church? This is a 32-year-old man with a child. I'm just saying, there's a lot of, I mean, that's an extreme example, but yes, guys, I'm telling you, there are so many people, and, and, and many of you are sitting here, you know that if you actually stop and think about it, there's pain. And we need to start with being honest with ourselves, Really? And we need to be honest with someone, really. And if they let you down, please just, just try and forgive them and try someone else. But if you don't, I'm just telling you, I've been at this long enough to know that we are as sick as our secrets. And if you don't find someone to be real and vulnerable with, and again, even if, it is, even if it's someone that is completely divorced from your life, and that's why people will often start with a therapist or something else, because, because there's less fear of, seeing that person the next day and thinking, are they judging me? But I'm just begging you to, if you have people that share with you, you're a friend, you're a brother, you're a sister, you're whatever, don't let your first thing be, how do I get them right? How do I get them sorted? How do I get them moral? How do I, no, let the first thing that you're concerned with be that they're a human being made in the image of God. They are valuable. They matter. You don't have to agree with everything to accept someone. You don't have to like every choice to love someone. You don't have to share values to value someone. Jesus, I think, was a ridiculously safe place for people. Like it shocked people that he was so safe. Let's be safe people for one another. You may say, well, I've tried and I've been... I'm sure that that's happened. All I can encourage you to do is to forgive people that have let you down and to try and be that person for someone else. When someone else shares with you, try and be that person that'll love them. And lastly, I mean, this is hopefully pretty obvious, but we need to be honest with God, brutally honest with God. As I mentioned earlier, God's not surprised. I think you may, I think that there's something in our psyche that makes us think that God's gonna be like a little, 
you know, when we tell him something, when God's been waiting for, a, and I don't think it's a, uh, I think it's a, <sighs> welcome, like welcome to the party. So I'm so grateful that that the real you is actually coming into my presence, as opposed to the fake you or a version of you. If you were the enemy, wouldn't one of the wouldn't one of the most important things that you can do to deceive people be to convince, to, to keep people from being honest, to just live in some version of deception, some, some type of facade. And I think God's just constantly saying, come to me. Hey, are you weary? Tired? Heavy laden? Come to me. This is what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, And you will find rest for your souls. That's a soul level rest. Soul level depth. You will find healing. You will find hope. You will find wisdom. Come to me. And he invites us to come as we are. He loves us too much to not invite us to, to, to make changes that will bring additional life and freedom and hope but to come as we are. John 8, verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That verse has been quoted, misquoted, abused, misused. But read it in context. Jesus said, to the people who believed in him. So they're they already believing. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. In other words, if we actually follow the way of Jesus, if we practice the way of Jesus, and then, not so that word know is not just know, because I don't know about you, I know more than enough. That's not my problem. There's an experience. There's a, there's a knowing. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Eugene Peterson in the message translation puts it this way. Then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. He said, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth and the truth will set you free. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just inviting you to come to Jesus as you are, to turn up as the real you, to be really honest. And I think that you'll find that the truth sets you free. Come on, stand with me, please. As you do that, just practically, I think the simplest advice I can give you is on a regular basis. I mean, ideally it would be once a day, I guess, otherwise every couple of days or at least once a week where you just take some time to just reflect in, in spiritual formation terms, this practice is known as the prayer of examine, where you're just, you're just examining your day, you're examining your week, where you're just reflecting. I mean, I love how Psalm 139, verse 23, models this for us, saying, God, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me on the path of everlasting life. That's, that's a prayer of examine. That's just saying, God, search me, know me. What am I anxious about? Is my heart right? Point out anything in me that you're wanting to bring to my attention. 
and lead me on the path of everlasting life. But, but another way is just to even think through some of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Just say, and just to think, God, God, would, would you show me if there's something that you want to bring my attention where, where I have been loving or have not been loving? Where I have had peace and pastor's understanding or I've actually been really anxious and irritable and quite unpleasant to be around or where I have been self-controlled or where I... And that's not to bring shame and condemnation. That's, that's to recognize his invitation towards life because we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. It's amazing how the enemy convinces us to be afraid of the truth and how God invites us to the truth. 